0: The word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. Um, If you have your Bibles, um, if not, we have conveniently, we're going to place this on the screen for you, but we're going to start in the book of... Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to read a couple of verses before the, the verse that's on the screen. So, uh, Brian's got you in the right place. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12 says, A final word. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesian church. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And here is verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So the title of my message today um, is Kingdoms at War, False Gods, Fiction and Fables. And um, I hope it doesn't seem too academic to some of y'all today. some of the most anointed uh, speaking that I've ever heard has been a monotone guy with the worst microphone and the worst sound system that you've ever heard in your life, but the most powerful spirit anointing behind that um, just made it, made it magic. But, so today we're gonna look at um, kind of some of the ways that the enemy has worked against God's people in the past, and we're gonna kind of see how that has kind of rolled into tactics that he's using today against us. Um, So from the beginning of human history, the enemy's been working to pervert all the Lord has created and has sought to destroy us men made in God's image. Uh, He's been working since then in ever more shadowy and sophisticated ways to attack those who belong to the Lord and to reshape human culture into a kingdom that he can rule. So back in the early to mid-1700s, here in this country, whenever we were still just colonies, um, something amazing happened. Um, and that amazing thing started with a guy named Jonathan Edwards. Um, there were other guys, Gilbert minute um, people like that. George Whitfield uh, was probably the most well-known of the ministers. but there was this period that we look back on now and we call the Great Awakening. And it led up to uh, what we know now as the Revolutionary War or the War for Independence, which is actually something we're celebrating this weekend, tomorrow, actually. But I thought it was really appropriate as I was studying and kind of looking, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of an academic, I'm, I'm sort of a nerd, I just am. Um, if you don't know me well yet, you're gonna find out that um, I'm very interested in the academic, that's just, that's me. Um, I like studying history and For me whenever I study history um, I think for far too many people they try to separate secular history and The history that we read in scripture, but those two are one and the same so whenever we look at history and Then we put it alongside scripture, which is truth. We can begin to see a more full image of what the Lord's been up to and and honestly what the enemy's been up to. But to get back to the Great Awakening, so from about the 720s, 1720s to the 1740s and leading right up to um, the 1760s, there was a period of revival here in the U.S. known as the Great Awakening. And a lot of um, Christian historians actually credit that period of history and the revival move um, here in our nation with kind of what happened with the Revolutionary War because people who had suddenly been made free from sin and were enjoying freedom from sin and its captivity um, suddenly wanted political freedom as well. As their eyes were opened and the veil was pulled back, they started realizing that they were being ruled by tyrants. And we see that 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 period of history where the Lord was waking up a nation that had become very complacent. Like there were lots of people who came here to these shores seeking freedom from oppressive religious systems. They wanted to be able to worship the Lord freely. And they came here looking for that freedom. But what had happened over about a century or so is that those same people as as they had started to amass wealth and life had started becoming more comfortable um, and they started becoming at least relatively affluent compared to the meager conditions that they experienced when they first got there, had kind of lulled them into sort of of this complacency where there wasn't a whole lot of focus on the Lord and his kingdom. And the Lord started doing something in the hearts of Jonathan Edwards. If you don't know who um, he is, um, his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, is probably one of the most famous sermons in in history, in the history of the church. Um, Pretty powerful stuff. But um, men like him and George Whitfield and the Wesley brothers, people like that, were moved on by God, and they delivered messages to people here in our nation that um, if you've never read the account, please go back and read the account. You can find some of the stuff on Wikipedia. It's crowdsourced, but what I read was pretty pretty accurate. But if you've never read about the Great Awakening, I suggest you go and read it because the Lord did something over the course of that um, 30 or 40 years that reignited the nation and its heart for him, our hearts for him. And as he started waking people up, then they started realizing that they weren't just in spiritual bondage, but they were also in political, physical bondage. And the freedom that the Lord brought to their spirits and to their hearts, uh, they also wanted that in their country. And that's what we're going to celebrate tomorrow, um, is this move of the Lord that resulted in not just people's hearts being delivered, but an entire nation of people being delivered as he moved in the hearts of people. So we'll be we'll be celebrating that tomorrow, but um, I personally believe, this is just a a personal belief, um, that we're in the middle of another one of those great awakenings. Something special is happening right now, in this country especially, but all over the world. The Lord is opening people's eyes and he's waking them up. For far too long, we as the church especially, have been kind of comfortable. And we've gotten complacent. Because we've lived in what was previously a very heavily Christianized society. Our society here in the US was probably the most heavily Christianized society in the history of humankind. Like the Lord and his church has probably had the greatest influence on this nation obviously other than the nation of Israel, which was a full theocracy um, that he ruled. But in the, in the history of secular nations, this nation has been the most heavily Christianized. In fact, I, I would go so far as to say that our nation is actually a representation of the coming kingdom. Because when you read in the book of Revelation, it says that the people in his kingdom come out of every tribe and every nation and every tongue. And the Lord, in creating this nation, gave us... An earthly image of that a place where everybody could come to and be free a place where people from every nation under heaven could come to and enjoy the freedom that he provided but i think that we're there today um but i think one of the reasons that we're kind of in the middle of that kind of a move is because the lord is waking people up he's opening our eyes to the working of the enemy because i think for many of us, myself included, for a long time, and it's so weird not having a monitor. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little ADHD. So um, myself included, I've lived a lot of my life just, just kind of comfortable, just kind of thinking that things were the way they were, the way that they looked on the surface. And I think that a lot of us live our lives that way. We're, we're very kind of surface oriented, as long as everything is kind of comfortable for us and, and things are kind of going relatively in our direction that we just kind of go with the flow. You know, we just kind of move with it. You do what's comfortable. That's, that's who we are as people. There are very few people that you'll ever meet in your life that intentionally make themselves uncomfortable. There are a few, but there, there aren't many. But I think one of the things that the Lord is wanting for His church is He's wanting to open our eyes to the tactics of the enemy that are being used against us. Because they're out there and they're deep and they're embedded and they're vast. And this is not a doom and gloom message at all. Because the Bible tells us that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So this is not a message, uh, this is not a message that says, oh no, that the, the enemy has this and he has that, and, and I should be afraid. No, of course we shouldn't be afraid. Our enemy is defeated. That foe is going down. That punk doesn't even know what's coming for him. Hmm. Okay, but I think one of the Lord, uh, one of the things the Lord really wants us to understand is He wants us to see the working of the enemy, so that we can recognize it. In some cases, avoid it, and in other cases, He wants us to be able to share with one another what it is that we see that's going on. And one of the things here in our country, especially, I men, we are the most affluent country in the history of the world. There has never been a greater economy. There has never been more wealth generated in any country in the history of humankind as there has been in this nation. Our gross domestic product is, is greater than like the, the next like 18 or 25 or something nations on the scale. I mean, it's, we're off the charts. We're also the most envied country in the history of the world. And there are nations out there that if they could, they would love to see us toppled um, from that particular perch. But for a few years now, I've really heard the Lord speaking to me. um, And he's led me to all sorts of resources and all sorts of people that have really opened my eyes to the enemy's working. Now, some of the stuff that I'm gonna say is gonna seem very obvious to you. We're gonna talk about media and television and movies and the music industry. We're gonna talk about that kind of stuff. Um, Checking my time. Um, And some of that stuff may seem very obvious, but it's what's going on behind the scenes in these areas. Like the enemy has been working in human history as long as there has been human history. From his beginnings in Genesis, tempting Eve and then Adam to take the fruit. The enemy has been at work in human culture. Now, we read in Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, that the enemy is a spiritual enemy. And I think for too many of us, we think that that means all we have to do is pray and everything's gonna be fine. If We just pray, we're good. He's a spiritual enemy. He's just kind of out there floating around like a little fog and everything's gonna be all right. Well, that's not the truth at all because our enemy is a spiritual enemy, but he works through physical people. And he works through institutions and he works through governments and he works through every system that he can infiltrate. That's who he is. That's what he does. He's a scoundrel. He's. I think probably the closest person I've seen on screen to being like what the devil is is, is Loki in the you know, in the Marvel movies, because he's kind of like this slimy kind of scoundrel who is always kind of trying to save his own skin and always has kind of his own agenda, and he's not really willing to risk a whole lot for it. He just wants what he wants. He's just super selfish. Um, That's kind of of the way I see the enemy, just kind of this slimy, smarmy little guy. Um, He probably wouldn't like that characterization. But the enemy's been at work. In our cultures. In fact, every major culture, every major empire throughout the history of humankind has had its pantheon of gods. Now, not the one true God. But all of those so-called gods were fallen angels wanting worship, wanting loyalty, wanting fealty, wanting sacrifice, wanting people's worship. And we see it in every major culture throughout history. We see this pantheon of gods. The enemy interjecting himself into human history, into human culture. And we even see it today. Like, it's coming back at us today. Um, if, If you're not aware, if you don't watch a lot of TV, then the Lord bless you, because you're probably better off than the rest of us. But if you don't watch a lot of TV, we actually see the enemy bringing back those ideas now. In media, movies, television, everything that he can... Any way that he can inundate our hearts and our minds, he's bringing that stuff back. Which is hilarious to me, because... Every single one of those systems has failed. It's like a communistic government, it's a failure. Every single one of those empires has fallen. Every single one of those civilizations that the enemy got his hands into, what happened to it? It fell apart. Can't help but fall apart. When you're a loser, what do you do? You lose. That's what you do. When you're a loser from the beginning, that's what you do, that's who you are, it's built into you, he can't help but lose because it's in him to lose. And every one of those cultures has come, and it's gone, it's had its zenith, its apex, and then its decline, and then its fall. And we've seen it all throughout history. These enemies who are seeking human worship, they wanna pervert what the Lord has created they do their best to get in and infiltrate every framework, every institution that the Lord has designed. And today we're seeing the greatest assault on the family, probably in the history of humankind, because, it's, because media and technology allows these ideas to be broadcast to the entire world. So back in the day, whenever there was no, there was no media, There was that we don't have. They didn't have the technology that we have today. You know, for you to be um, influenced by somebody, they had to come and and stand in your face and talk to you, or maybe write something on a piece of paper, or get Johann Gutenberg to you know print something up for them or whatever and send it out to you. But today, the enemy has means through technology of disseminating his ideas to every man, woman, boy, and girl uh, just about on the planet. I think there might be a few tribes out there who still don't have TV, um, but they may have a cell phone. But, but this is who and what the enemy is. He's, 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 James said it best whenever he says, the whole world lies in darkness. And that was 2,000 years ago. We like to think that in this world that there are a lot of good people and that things are relatively good and that things are relatively comfortable. It's not. This whole world lies in darkness. This whole world and all of its systems have been infiltrated by the enemy. And if we don't understand that, then we can't be equipped and we can't prepare. And for far too many people, they don't understand that and they're not equipped and they don't prepare. Romans 12, two actually tells us what it is that we need to do. Brian, if you'll pop that one up for me. There it is, look at that. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world or don't be conformed to this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect and for far too many people, because they don't understand that the enemy has infiltrated everything. They think that they can trust governments and they think that they can trust businesses to have their best interests at heart. They think that they can trust this world and the things around them, but we can't. We can't. This is not a doom and gloom message, I promise. This is is the revelation of what's actually going on behind the scenes, under the surface. The book of Revelation is called the book of Revelation because that's what it is. It's a book of revealing. It's a book of discovery where the Lord takes the curtain and pulls it back and shows what's going on. And he wants us to understand today what's going on. And that, just like that, that song popped in my head. Uh, (laughs) What's going on? So the book of Daniel says, just in case you're wondering if we're in the last days or not, um, something something amazing is about to happen, y'all. Something amazing is about to happen. We're about to see Jesus ride down out of the sky and come and rule this planet for a thousand years. The greatest paradigm in the history of history is about to happen, and the Lord is trying to prepare his church because he's coming. There's a reason why he says, repent, change your mind, change the way that you think, because I'm about to show up. And the Lord's calling us today to repent, to change our minds, to see the truth, to walk in the truth, because he's coming. I mean, when he shows up, for those of us who know him and belong to him, it's gonna be the greatest moment of our lives. For those who don't, it's gonna be their worst nightmare. But he's coming. Nobody's gonna slow him down and nobody's gonna stop him. And when he steps out, that's gonna be the end for the enemy and for every one of these systems that they've created to try to oppress God's people. But while we're here and now, we need to understand. So Daniel says, in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 4, this is an angel talking to Daniel. This is one of my favorite books uh, because I always like seeing behind the scenes, what's going on in the the spirit world behind the scenes because you don't get that much of a glimpse in scripture. Most of what we see is the physical world, but every once in a while, the Lord will kind of pull back that curtain and we get to see. And um, the angel says, but you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret, seal it up, seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. We're in those times right now. We're in a time of unbridled technology. There's technology that we have no clue about sitting behind the scenes and they're doing things that would probably blow our minds. I've been privy to a few of the things that they're doing. It's crazy, crazy stuff. When you can edit somebody's genetic structure to modify them as a person, that's crazy stuff. Although that's not a new tactic for the enemy. He's been doing that since the beginning. So in Genesis chapter six, verse four, it says, in those days and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived in the earth, for whenever the sons of God, fallen angels, angelic hosts, had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Now, most people don't know the scripture because it's a weird scripture. Most people don't think about, you know, that's the thing, when we read the Bible, a lot of us will skip over the stuff that doesn't make sense and we just kind of we just kind of stick with the message you know just the basic message jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so and that's how my life is going to go um but we'll skip over those scriptures that are a little weird or don't make sense to us but some of those weird scriptures give us a glimpse into what's actually going on in this world there was a whole race of people before the flood that were not made in the image of God. There was a whole race of people that were the union of angelic beings and and human women. The enemy was trying to pervert the family. He was trying to pervert the human line. He was trying to destroy the line of the Messiah because it had already been prophesied to him in the garden that there was a Messiah coming that was going to be born of a woman and that that Messiah was gonna crush his head. And he was doing everything he could do to pervert that, to destroy that line, to snuff it out so that Christ couldn't be born. The enemy working, trying to pervert. That's what the enemy loves doing. That is his main, that is his bread and butter. That is his wheelhouse. He loves to pervert what the Lord has created. In fact, that's all he can do because he's not, he can't create anything. All he can do is take what's already is and try to make it the way that he wants it to be. And he'll pervert it and he'll try to create it in his image and turn it into some big mess. But, um, but this is kind of falling under the idea of, of false gods. Now, if you don't know, you've kind of seen this already. If you watch movies or TV at all, um, this actual thing that happened is something that you see rehearsed time and again in comic books, and in television shows, and in movies. Because one of the enemy's tactics using media today is to get us to be unsatisfied with who we are. We want to be the superhero. We want to be the guy who saves the day. We want to be our own hero. We want to be the center of our own universe. And that's what the enemy does is he recycles these ideas And he took this failed experiment of his because that's what it was. He took this failed experiment of his from the book of Genesis and he's recycling that into our media today. To cause us to want to be this kind of person. Be your own superhero. Be Superman. Batman's just kind of a normal guy who's rich and really smart. But be an X-Man, be an Avenger. This culture has exploded across our world. If you guys don't ever get on YouTube, get on YouTube and just look up Comic-Con. Just look up live action role play. Did you know that a few years ago, it's probably been 10 or 12 at this point, um, there was a census taken in Great Britain. And one of the things they were asking was a, relig- a religious affiliation. And like 12% of the people in that nation um, said that they were Jedi. And that seems funny, right? I'm Obi-Wan. Um, by the way, Obi-Wan was not quite that great. Um, <laughs> but we have people who are completely identifying with something that is that is far removed from reality. But that's what the enemy does. So let's read uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. So Whenever we see the enemy raise himself up in a culture a little too high, and he tries to exert a little too much control, um, then the Lord comes along and he rectifies the situation. So um, Exodus twelve twelve, It's another one of those weird scriptures because this is the only time you see this mentioned in the book of Exodus. All the rest of Exodus is just the Lord talking through Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh and, and bringing down these miraculous wonders, these 10 plagues on Egypt. And we see the outer manifestation of what the Lord's up to. But the Lord gives us a peek behind the scenes at who it is that he's really after in Exodus twelve twelve, And he says, this is talking about the Passover night, when the Lord uh, took the life of every firstborn. Um, he says, on that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. And then he says something really, really crazy here. He says, I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. So the Lord's issue wasn't just with a hard-hearted Pharaoh. The Lord's issue was with the spiritual forces that were behind this Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the face. But these false gods, these fallen angels, these enemies, this spiritual wickedness in high places, these principalities, were who God was really after. And in him taking them out, there was also judgment brought on the face of that, which was Pharaoh. Whenever you look at world events, you're not looking at people. You're not. You might see a Putin and you might see a Biden or you might see a George W., or you might see a Trump, or you might see a Zelensky in Ukraine. But that's not what's really happening. What's happening is there are spiritual forces behind every one of these leaders. There are spiritual forces behind every government, behind every system. I'm here to tell you all, there are spiritual forces behind a lot of the companies that you buy products from that have their own agenda. They're entrenched and they're serious, they're not playing with you. They're serious about their agenda. But far too many of us are not serious about who it is that we are. And we walk through life just kind of live and let live. You know, we're just kind of oblivious. We don't pay attention at all. We just look at the surface and take that at face value. You can't take anything at face value in this world, nothing, nothing in this world is what it appears to be. Even the good is better than you see. And the bad is worse than you can imagine. And the enemy is back there plotting to destroy. If we were to understand exactly how far reaching and how deep all this goes, it disturbs me. To know the things that I know. It's tough. Whenever Solomon said, When you increase knowledge, you increase sorrow, man, he couldn't have said anything more true because the more I learn, the more I am disturbed by the things that I learn. When you start understanding how deeply this stuff goes and how there are groups of people who are sold out to Lucifer and to his minions, and to his people. And they worship him as God. When you start to understand the machinations of these people behind the scenes and what it is that they want from me and you, you're gonna hit your knees. You're gonna fall down and ask for grace and mercy. But the problem is, is most of us don't see and understand. And the Lord is trying to pull back the curtain and help us to understand what this world is really like because when we understand what it's really like then we're going to pray and we're going to seek him and man we're going to love his word because we'll understand how much we need to renew our minds because we'll understand exactly how pervasive the messages are that are being sent to us every day the enemy's specialty is the creative that's who he is and what he does so where does he show up He shows up in your advertising. He shows up in your movies and your TV shows. He shows up in the music industry. He shows up in every creative means that he can use to assault your mind every day. That's who he is. It's what he does. And sometimes it's very subtle. Sometimes it's very overt. Now we've lived in a country that for a long time it's been very subtle. We've been very subtly moving towards godlessness, towards complete and abject blasphemy here in this nation. And now it's starting to actually get to the point where it's building to a crescendo, and it's easier to see now. You can't watch television, you can't go anywhere or do anything in this country without having some message pushed to you that is anti-God, that is anti-family, that is anti-common sense. I mean, when we can't get biology right, that's been settled for hundreds of years in a country, something is terribly wrong. When we have lost a grasp on objective reality, and we can't call men men and women women anymore, the enemy is at work perverting everything that he can. He's hard at work. While we're hanging out and chilling and and feeling good, he's at work. He doesn't sleep and he doesn't eat and he doesn't stop. You have an enemy that you can't see who his every waking moment for 6,000 years has been plotting your destruction. I did say this wasn't doom and gloom, right? I promise it's not, it's not doom and gloom at all. Because the amazing thing is, is by the power of the spirit, we have, we have more power than he does. The enemy is, you know that kid on the team whenever the game is over and his team lost? And he's the one who's sitting there just kind of jumping up and down and he's not happy and he's upset and he's a sore loser. That's who the enemy is because he lost a long time ago. And the only thing he can do now is try to inconvenience and harm those under whose feet he exists. That's all he can do. This has taken a very different turn than, than the way that I wrote these notes. It really has. Um, to be honest with you, if, if uh, this, this needed like a 25-part series, I'm having to try to condense as much as possible. But the enemy has used... Um, false gods throughout human history. He's used fiction, and it is absolute fiction. For my students of history in here, I'm a student of history. Um, Back in in the 1600s, a little bit of the 1700s, there was a period in Europe known as the Age of Enlightenment, or the Age of Reason. And that particular period of history, the enemy used to move humankind as far as he could away from the idea of spirituality and as close as he could to the idea that only the material mattered and that only what you and I could understand with our three pound brain mattered. So this, this is obviously not a comprehensive, you guys wanna to talk to me afterwards, we can have very long conversations where there's a lot more information. But um, this is one of, the, one of the ways that the enemy works. And during this period of history, uh, he did his best to convince humankind that the only things that were true were the things that they could understand using their reason and their logic. And he's pressed that idea more and more and more as, as the centuries have progressed. And he's got a lot of us convinced today that if we don't understand it, it must not be true. Or if we don't accept it, that's an even more dangerous proposition. If we don't accept it, it must not be true. And then he brought a man named Charles Darwin onto the scene not long after that. He published his On the Origin of Species book in 1859. And he further assailed the, the inaccurate the inerrancy of the Bible with the idea of evolutionary biology. So he moved men away from revering God as the source of wisdom and knowledge and had him to put himself there because if, you know, if I can't reason it out, then it must not be so. So therefore, I'm the sinner. I'm the person who is the arbiter of truth and knowledge and understanding. Well, then he brought a guy named Charles Darwin along and in 1859, he published a work called On the Origin of Species that basically said that the, the book of Genesis, the creation account was not correct. That along with the idea of the Big Bang. See, the enemy is multifaceted. He's not a triple threat. He's got more facets than that. And he's attacking us from every angle. That's what, he, that's what he does, that's who he is. Because he doesn't have to sleep, because he doesn't have to eat, because he doesn't have to take a vacation or a mental health day, he doesn't need those. What he does is he keeps attacking from this angle and that angle. And this one, he's got all the patience in the world, y'all. He will take his time. He has taken his time. And he has interjected idea after idea after idea. And he assaults us with this idea here. And if we don't believe that one, well, he comes around over here with this idea and hits us with that one. Well, if we don't buy that one, he's gonna come over here with this one. Maybe a little more subtle, maybe presented from a person that we think really well of. There may be some person on television, some person that you go to work with, that you think highly of, that one day brings an idea to you, sounds sort of okay. It sounds mm, like it might sound good, you know. That's what the enemy does. He's patient, he takes his time. That's the reason why Romans 12 is so important. We have to constantly be renewing our minds Because if we're not, if we don't have the spirit operating in our lives, when these lies come our way, we're gonna give in, we're gonna buy into it. And too many people have, because it sounds good. When somebody brings you something that's, you know, that's filled with cotton candy and you know, and has syrup on top of it and and whatever, whatever else that you enjoy and that you like, and they bring you that, who cares that there's something bitter in the middle you're looking at all the, all the fun, enjoyable stuff. And that's what the enemy does, is he'll bring you 99% of truth and 1% lie and compromise you with that. That leads me to an interesting story that I read the other day. I really didn't think I was going to share this in church. But there was a child who was um, asking, their, asking their dad why they couldn't go see the Buzz Lightyear movie. And... Um, If if you guys know anything about the Buzz Lightyear movie, there's this one moment in the movie um, that has a kiss that is not heterosexual. And um, the dad knew about it. He had already checked the movie out. That's what good dads do. Good moms and dads, they check the movies out, make sure they're okay for the kids to watch. Well, he um, he explains to them that because of that one moment in the movie, that it wasn't going to be acceptable for them to watch as a family. And the child didn't understand. They're a child, they just wanna see Buzz Lightyear. You know, They wanna see the, the rocket ship. They wanna see you know the robot cat. They wanna see all that. Um, so the dad thought he would, he would whip up a really great lesson. So he brought out some brownies the next day to serve to the family. And he said, before you guys eat the brownies, I want you to know there's just a little dog poop mixed in the brownie mix. But it's just a little, and you probably won't taste it. And it's just a tiny little bit, in the mix. So most of you are going to be okay. It's, it's just one tiny little part of the brownies. The rest of it's good. Kids wouldn't touch the brownies. Would you touch the brownies? (laughs) The kids wouldn't touch the brownies because there was something in it that tainted the brownies and they understood they understood the point. He said, well, this is the same as that movie that you wanted to see. And that's what the enemy does, is he'll bring us a lie wrapped in the truth. Something that looks good, something that feels good. And he's done it to our society. Man, time has just slipped away from me. He has completely corrupted the idea of what truth is in our society. And if we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves moving headlong with it. Like there are some very obvious things that we see and and we could lay them out. We could lay out the four or five things that are going on in our culture today that are obviously obviously not lined up with scriptural truth. But I could show you another 30 that are very subtle, that are just as anti-scriptural, that are just as much against the character of God and who He is, that because they're wrapped a little different and they look a little different and they're a little more palatable, a lot of people accept them. They call this the bait and the switch. In case you don't know, the enemy's sly. He wants us to see the big, ugly, obviously terrible things that are completely against the Lord and what he has to say. And then he's happy to slip in the back door with the other 25 that are just as corrosive, that are just as destructive. But because they're not the hot button issue of the day, because it's not abortion or transgenderism or the LGBTQ plus IA, you know, whatever other kind of superlatives you can throw on the end of that, um, just because it's not that, somehow it's okay. But the Lord's wanting us to wake up because the enemy is crafty, he's crafty. But the amazing thing about having the Spirit is even in the moments when our mind doesn't catch it, our Spirit does. Whenever I was a kid, I was one of those stubborn kids that just wanted what I wanted. I was very nice. I was one of those kids that everybody would've thought, you know, he's just, he's great. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's a good old Tommy. But I had, I had my stubborn streaks, where I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And my grandma, um, the Lord rest her soul. She is in heaven, uh, with my mom and some of the other family. I'm thankful we're going to see her again one day, but my grandma would say stuff to me like, well, you don't, you don't need to watch that. And I would, I would always ask why, why don't you know, why don't I need to watch that? And there never was really a convincing, I was a why guy. For those of y'all who are why people, that's me. I have to know the why. If I don't know the why I struggle. Um, so I have to know the why. Sometimes I've, I've ended up in you know, um, doing things and saying things that I shouldn't do because I you know I had to have the why first and I just wanted to be stubborn. For those of y'all who can just take something on faith, whenever somebody tells you, bless you, you are amazing. You are amazing people and that is not who I am. But um, I didn't understand back then why. I didn't, I didn't see the messages for myself. I didn't see the stuff that was being fed into my heart and my mind, but my grandparents saw it. And they couldn't articulate it exactly the way that I wanted to hear it. So I just kind of did what I wanted to do. I would would watch it anyway. Um, Or I would do whatever it was that somebody warned me away. I remember whenever I was in, I think I was in eighth grade, Mac Taylor, if any of y'all know who he is, he pastors Fremont. He was my um, youth minister. And uh, we weren't supposed to be in the kitchen at our Christian school. And he was kind of part of the staff of of the Christian school by virtue of being the youth minister. And uh, he had just told me five minutes before, "Tommy, don't go in the kitchen." And um, well, Tommy went in the kitchen. And um, for those of y'all who don't know Romans chapter thirteen verses one through eight, I know it because I wrote it about fifty times. Because I went into the kitchen when I wasn't supposed to, but I was. I was stubborn, and I thought I knew better. I thought I knew better. I, I didn't know better, man. I look back on I'm 47 years old, just had a birthday. <laughs> um, but whenever I was young, man, I thought I thought that I that I is the person was the person that should determine what is right or wrong for me. That I knew better than the people who were around me, and there were godly people around me who were full of wisdom and experience don't underestimate experience, full of wisdom and experience who tried to to help me at moments and I was just stubborn and did my own thing. But the Lord is calling us today to listen as he's calling to us because there are gonna be things that we need to give up. There are gonna be places we need to stop going. There are gonna be things we need to stop watching, that we need to stop listening to. And you may not always get the why, but when the Holy Spirit says no, we need to stop and listen. For that matter, when the Holy Spirit says go, we need to listen. Man, it is 12.07. I am the worst, I, I am not a time management guy. I am ADHD all the way. I'm usually late getting there and then late leaving. Um, but just one more one more quick, uh, one more quick idea. This, I hope this hasn't seemed too rambling today. But one of the ways that the enemy um, is after us today in our culture, and I can only speak to our culture because it's the culture that we live in. I can't understand Indian culture. You know, I can't understand what it's like to be in a tribe in the Amazon rainforest. I don't have that point of reference, but I do know us and I know here and I know now. But one of the ways that the enemy is after us is through the use of fables. So there's a place in scripture I'll get through this very quickly because I don't want to hold you guys. There's a place in Scripture where the Lord says that, talking about humankind, He says, they chose to forget me, so I allowed them to be turned over to fables, to myths. And that's one of the things that we've done here in the U.S., in this culture specifically, is it's gotten a little hard sometimes to follow what the Lord says, so we just kind of follow what we want. Our, our culture is the most, the most myth and fable-laden culture in history. You can't go anywhere to find alternative stories about how the world came into existence, to find stories that are just feel-good, entertaining stories. And a lot of them are very innocent. I'm not saying that every, I'm not saying that Peter Pan, you know, you need to stop watching Peter Pan because Peter Pan is satanic. Um, What I am saying is that the enemy is gonna provide you every opportunity to have something else to believe in other than God. He's He's gonna try to give you another value system and he's gonna try to slip it in He's gonna slip it in in Gabba Gabba. He's gonna slip it in in Barney. He's gonna slip it in in Miss Marvel. I am a media guy. I think one of the reasons why this resonates so hard with me is because I enjoy the media. I have a mass comm degree from Campbell University. Television, journalism, anything mass media, radio, all that, I enjoy the mass media. But I also understand how the enemy uses mass media to get into our hearts and our minds. And I think the Lord is calling us today to spend more time in prayer, to spend more time renewing our minds, to spend more time finding out about what it is that we're consuming. Far too many people will just pick up a book, turn on a TV show, go watch a movie, and then they'll let it wash over them and into them. And they don't even realize what's happening. They don't realize the messages that they're receiving passively from what it is that they're watching, listening to, from what they're reading, from the places that they go, from the thoughts that they entertain because of those. Let's stand. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at SaponaRoadChurch.com. If you're local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and seven o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.